Vegas Nation is sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app today and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. You're listening to Vegas Nation. It's time for Takeaways with me, Heidi Fang. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Fang. Today, joined by PFF's Brad Spielberger. Really excited to have him on. We're going to talk a lot about some future projections for the Raiders, the AFC West. We're going to break it all down right here. And before we do, just a reminder to hit subscribe wherever you're watching or listening. And also, we are brought to you by Station Casinos, STN Sports. Download that app today. Brad, I'm really happy to bring you on today. Very excited to talk some PFF. PFF numbers and some of these predictions and projections that you guys have going on with uh, the upcoming season here, particularly with the Raiders is obviously where my focus will be. But first of all, I wanted to welcome you and thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Let's get into this. So projection wise, AFC West, I'm seeing a lot, obviously, as a lot of places have been doing with the Raiders coming off a six win season. The projection is not high for them to come in and correct that and become a winning team or even a playoff team or anything of that nature. Where would you say right now the overall kind of consensus projection is for the Raiders? Yeah, so uh, PFF does a strength, uh, you know, projection model and, and builds out our evaluations of each team, folding in the draft and free agency, looking at strength of schedule and all those various components. Um, and, and they have a seven win total projection for, for our numbers. So kind of right in that wheelhouse, like you said, I do think that they probably have one of the bigger variances um, in the NFL. Look, if Josh McDaniels feels much more comfortable with Jimmy Garoppolo than he did with Derek Carr, and, and they feel more bullish about some pieces they've added this offseason, maybe getting some growth from a guy like a Chandler Jones, I guess I should say bounce back, not growth. But, um, you know, if, if things go in their way, then maybe they can, you know, out, uh, you know, beat that number. I was looking a little bit about some of the write-ups on Tyree Wilson, how the projections have gone for him, that he still seems to need some development was what one of your colleague wrote, one of your colleagues wrote, excuse me. So I wanted to get your take on what Tyree Wilson can bring to this team. And if you have any projections on maybe a sack total from him, because I have seen that you did some uh, sack projections with Will Anderson Jr. So I'm wondering if you had one for Tyree Wilson as well. Yeah, so I would agree that he needs some technical refinement. The thing with him is he's such a phenomenal athlete, you know, both from a size and length combination, but also his testing and all those numbers that he didn't do officially at the combine. Um, but apparently, you know, behind closed doors and they do a lot of these testing is a really, really good athlete. So I also think with him, like I said, if you do get a better Chandler Jones and you, of course, have Max Crosby, who, you know, for us is one of the best edge rushers in the entire NFL, you get a lot of distraction with them and offenses, you know, chipping on them and double teaming them. And that frees up Tyree Wilson to rush from the outside, maybe a little bit from the inside as well. I could see him getting five or six sacks in his rookie season, which might sound low, but is a pretty good total for a rookie. Especially because, like you mentioned Chandler Jones, I still think there's an expectation that there'll be a lot of rotation and, like you were mentioning, for development time to be given to Tyree Wilson before he comes in and goes full in on that, on that position for the Raiders. 
On the flip side, they also drafted a tight end pretty high who was kind of projected, I think, by some people to go up in the first round. But you have Michael Mayer coming to the Raiders in the second round. He had a very high college uh, number from PFF. I wanted to get just kind of a breakdown on this number. I believe it was 92 and a half from college. Uh, How do you arrive at that number for a player's type of uh, caliber and, and what that number stands for when you look at a 92 and a half projection um michael mayer as his pff grade yeah so it's kind of interesting on the flip side of tyree wilson meyer is incredibly productive one of the best tight ends we've ever graded at the college level um but kind of didn't test particularly well and i think that's why he fell outside of the first round because of some of that athletic testing but nevertheless I think the main reason why he's that high um, in the 92.5 range is because we had one tight end in the entire country last year that had a receiving grade of above 90 and a blocking grade above 80, and that is Michael Meyer. So how that number gets derived is you you grade every single snap. You get either plus a half, plus one, plus one and a half, or plus two, and of course the negative flip side of those numbers. Um, and then using every single snap grade, we then you know map it to a zero to a hundred projection. So he's a very, very good and very consistently good player on a snap by snap basis. Great. And so as you start to grade him for the NFL, how much does blocking and and catching and receiving all the different things drops? How does that kind of come into a grade for somebody that's starting from scratch in the NFL? Yeah, so they are weighted differently, you know, based on the component that we believe is going to, you know, more likely impact the outcome of a football game. Blocking is very, very important, especially for a tight end. Yeah. But if he has a phenomenal receiving grade and and is the productive player that he was in college, that is going to carry a lot of that number. We actually do have a drop grade. Um, you also obviously just chart drops and, you know, it was it a bad throw or was it on the receiver for not bringing in the football. Um, but yeah, he starts from scratch, starts from square one, and it's the same process. Just every single snap gets graded, and then that gets mapped out to a full number. Um, I think he's a very high floor. Maybe some yeah. teams thought his ceiling wasn't super high, but you know, tight end is a very difficult position to be good at right away in the NFL. There's a learning curve, and he's super young too, um, but I still think he might be able to be productive pretty early on in his NFL career. The AFC West obviously has a ton of quarterbacks and wide, uh, wide receivers. We also mentioned uh, tight ends, so Travis Kelsey, you know, is there. Uh, there's a lot of uh, offense to be had in the AFC West. And when you look at the defensive side of the ball, the Raiders, you know, have kind of done some work in the draft and the offseason to try to um, help that. One of the names that I was most interested in um, is Duke Shelley because he was rated pretty high on the cornerbacks for the Raiders when I looked down the projected uh, starting 11 for the team. And he had a very high PFF grade. So, um, what is the anticipation for the Raiders kind of secondary and where you see the the cornerbacks that they have falling into place in this shark tank uh, offense type of uh, division? Yeah, no, it is interesting. Uh, Shelly is an undersized guy, excuse me, but we've always felt was a better player on the outside, getting back to Kansas State in college. So it's going to be interesting who ends up playing in the slot, who ends up playing on the outside. I also think he's interesting because the teams he's been on thus far are heavy, heavy zone teams. And Patrick Graham, when he has the personnel, historically has tended to try to play a little bit more man coverage. So they added him, they added David Long from the Rams, also a very heavy zone coverage team. But yeah, look, Shelley is, is a scrapper, right? He, he wants to battle with you. Um, he's going to make plays at the catch point, even though 
know he is, 5'9", 5'10". Um, he's a good, productive player that, you know, I think has always been overlooked because of his size. But whenever he gets an opportunity, he plays some good football. So the Raiders sitting at seven right now. Um, if you had to, because I've seen you put out some uh, betting uh, numbers as well in one of your more recent articles that's up on PFF.com. I wanted to get maybe if you know them, the the money line kind of look at the over under right now um, for the Raiders. Is it also sitting at seven as kind of projected by your team? Yeah, so um, I think it's seven and a half is the Raiders' season okay. win total over under. Uh, obviously, it varies book by book, right. um, but I think that is where the line sits right now. Look, you mentioned obviously it's a good division in the AFC West, also a loaded conference in just the AFC in general. Uh, so it's going to be, you know, there are probably going to be AFC teams that win seven games that might be better than an NFC team that wins 10 games, uh, just, just based on who they're playing against. But you know, I, I do believe in you know in the the pure data projection of right around seven. But I do think, like I said, I, I genuinely believe that maybe there is a, a tail outcome where they overperform compared to a lot of expectations because of just a comfort level between the quarterback and the head coach, which obviously matters a great deal. Okay, and that comfortability you kind of mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo earlier. You know, how much do you think that between the the years that have passed from Jimmy working with Josh McDaniels, that it's kind of like getting back on a bike and just figuring it out all over again, and that it would come fairly easily? I think so. I think the language they obviously speak the same language, so all that all that is you know easier to do. I'm sure Derek Carr had to learn a whole lot of new terminology uh, yeah. with McDaniel's in place. So I think that goes a long way by itself. And yeah, they've been apart for a couple of years now, but particularly when you're working with Garoppolo, when you're bringing him into the NFL, um, which McDaniel's obviously helped him do, I'm sure they're extremely comfortable with each other. They can kind of maybe be faster at the line, be faster with checks and adjustments and things like that. Um, I'm sure the comfort level is a big reason why he is a Las Vegas Raider. Do you agree with the seven number for the Raiders as just looking outside in at what you think the team has to offer? I do. You know, I, I think the, the interesting thing will be, can this defense get up to speed and, and kind of play above their talent level? Um, you know, frankly, it's not a particularly, on, on paper, a great unit, but maybe if you generate enough pressure up front, like I said, Chandler Jones was, was not very good last year, but you paid him a lot of money for a reason, and he was a very good player in Arizona for a very long time. So, for all we know, maybe he was working through a minor injury, or, or things you know were going on that were not really in the public light. If he can play like the guy we saw in Arizona for five, six years, it, it it could dramatically change how this defense operates. But, yeah, I do think they're kind of right in that 7-9 to nine win range, you know, in 2023. Lastly, if you could give me your projections for how the AFC would look uh, going from the Super Bowl defending champion Chiefs on down. <laughs> yeah, uh, so the AFC West or the whole conference? The AFC West. Yeah, so I'm going to get the Chiefs right, right back in the saddle. Um, you know, really didn't lose a whole lot of talent. Um, added some good players, I thought, in the draft class. Um, you know, their first-round edge rusher, Felix Anadike Uzoma from Kansas State, was a player I liked a lot. So I think they'll st they're still the, the class of the division. Um, I think it's kind of hard to argue with that right now. I think the Chargers made some important moves. Um, I am concerned for them long-term a little bit with some of the older players on their roster. But, you know, for now, Keenan Allen and Khalil Mack and a lot of these guys – are coming back for at least one more year, and I think they're going to be very aggressive in how they try to win some football games. And then I think it's a battle between Denver and Las Vegas for that third spot. You know, I could see it go either way. I think Sean Payton's a phenomenal coach. I lived in New Orleans for five years, so, you know, I, I saw him coach the Saints firsthand. But they had a lot of issues last year, and they did, you know, add some players in free agency. But 
you know, there still are some personnel holes in that roster. I think it'll be, you know, either way uh, with, with third and fourth place. But I, I do think, unfortunately, Kansas City and the Chargers are a little bit ahead of, of the other two teams. Uh, I lied when I said last question because you mentioned the conference. So I was wondering if you would had like a favorite right now that you think is going to take home the the big enchilada in the AFC. Yeah, look, it's it's hard it's it's hard not to go with the chalk and take the Kansas City Chiefs again. But I do think the Cincinnati Bengals had a really strong offseason. They've had a few uh, the last couple of years in a row. Didn't lose a ton of talent, a little bit on defense, but I think they could maybe finally take that step and, and win the conference outright. I love having you guys from PFF on. I love breaking down some of these numbers, kind of giving the fans as well an idea of what goes behind those was great. I really appreciate your time today. Brad Spielberger, you can find him at PFF underscore Brad on Twitter. Uh, is there anything that you have coming up that you'd like to let uh, the fans know about, mention some project or what have you or something that you're writing? Definitely. So I'm starting to look at extensions, you know, early extensions for players entering contract years. Off the top of my head, I'm not sure that applies to many Raiders right now. But, you know, if you want to get a gauge for the market for some of the, you know, the best young players coming up for new contracts, we'll do some trade predictions as well. Is Hunter Renfro maybe a guy that's on the block right now? Uh, we'll explore that a little bit as well. So any, any transaction that's happening from now until week one, we'll be covering. Is there any tease you could give me there, aside from mentioning Hunter Renfro's name, that, I mean, they did draft a lot of slot receivers, right? It has that look about it right now. I think some pe people are projecting Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, and then Renfro in the slot. But with what they did with the offseason, there's now, I think, 11 wide receivers on the roster for the Raiders going into the offseason program. How likely do you think it is? There's been that kind of smoke that talk around it. And sometimes where there's smoke, we know, you know what can happen with a potential trade. Um, what, what did you have in mind with Hunter? Do we have to wait for the article? No, no. I mean, I, I think the smoke the smoke is probably real. It's been around for a couple months now, even before it kind of hit the public light. It was something a lot of people were chatting about. Uh, Jacoby Myers can play on the outside, but has played about two-thirds of his snaps in the slot throughout his career. Trey Tucker, you mentioned, the third-round pick, uh, is probably a slot type of player going forward. So, you know, we'll get into the details of what the value could be and stuff like that, but uh, he'll, he'll be on the short list. So I think, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I, I think it is possible. Well, thank you again for that. Appreciate your time very much. And for everybody out there, check out PFF.com for all of those numbers, ratings, projections, and things like of that nature. And for all things Raiders, check us out at VegasNation.com. For Brad Spielberger, I'm Heidi Fang. Thank you so much for checking out the show today. Vegas, get in on the sports betting action and get on the STN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. All right, joining me now here on the Vegas Nation Takeaways podcast, Paul Gutierrez. I see him all the time in the media room. We got all kinds of La Bamba jokes, but today we're talking <laughs> Tom Brady and taking a minority ownership into the Raiders, at least um, agreed upon terms yeah. for that. That still has to go through a process. Before we get into that process, though, Paul, I wanted to get your um, take on this because you were involved in breaking the story and really getting to the nuts and bolts of it. What 
really began this relationship between Mark Davis and Tom Brady? Like, how far back does it go to getting him to this point where they were able to agree to these terms? Yeah, it's interesting, Heidi. It goes back, obviously, at least publicly that we know of, to, to 2020 and during COVID and during that offseason because the Raiders were more than interested in bringing Tom Brady in as a player at that point in time. And they got uh, fairly deep into conversations. Um, it would have been a fresh start for the organization coming to Las Vegas and having a new quarterback. And that would have meant having to move on from Derek Carr at that point. Um, but it was all kind of scuttled at the last moment uh, by then coach John Gruden, who really, really liked what he had going on with, with Derek Carr at that time. Um, so you take that's three years in the past. Now Now you fast forward a little bit and then all of a sudden, uh, Tom Brady's the one that drops that he's buying into the WNBA champion Las Vegas Aces, which are right. also, oh yeah, owned by Mark Davis. So that gets it going. And then it had been about a month or so since the rumors had started that he was looking into um, getting in, into the Raiders. And that actually was broken by Seth Wickersham and Adam Schefter, colleagues of mine at ESPN, um, that they were in deep, deep discussions about this happening. Um, and then yesterday it, it, it was broken again by another outlet that, that it was getting real close to happening. I, I called Mark Davis and, and, uh, he, he gave me the quote that, yeah, they had actually uh, come to an agreement and it's pending approval by the NFL owners that they'll allow him to come in to, uh, be a, a, a partner, um, depending upon how much he invests and, you know, it'll obviously be a minority share into the organization right. and not have a lot of, uh, decision-making power, but, you bring that kind of star power into this organization uh, again uh, in Las Vegas. It's it's one of those things where it kind of makes all the sense in the world. But then when you look at it from a pure football standpoint and the football fan standpoint, it kind of makes people kind of recoil a little bit, <laughs> especially the old school Raider fans. Right. That's something I wanted to discuss yeah. with you as well, because like we all know the fumble wasn't fumble. It was in your article <laughs> about uh, that particular question. <laughs> Did, he, he didn't answer the question, right? No. Right. So fans are concerned, like, how much will Brady come in to kind of tinker with things to maybe even insert himself at some point in the season? Should they be? I saw a tweet that said three and six uh, Raiders have Tom Brady coming down, swooping in to take over at the helm, especially with the rule approved yesterday that they can carry three quarterbacks on, on a roster. So people were like kind of making these jokes and insinuating that perhaps you, they think Tom Brady could even work his way onto the roster. I don't think it works that way, but how can you help Raider fans kind of settle those nerves and, and those questions? <laughs> yeah, I, and I guess I'll put it to, to people this way, too. And I know Las Vegas is a transient city, so a lot of people are from somewhere else that don't really have that connection, the long-term connect, uh, connection with Las Vegas athletics in general. But if you've been in Vegas for a long time and you were a huge UNLV basketball fan going back 30, 40 years ago, this is akin to Steve Alford coming in and being okay. the running rebel coach with Mike Krzyzewski as the athletic director, the Indiana and Duke, you know, you're talking about the last two times that the rebels lost in the final four in 1987 and 1991. Those are painful memories to them. You now you transpose that to the NFL and the tuck rule game and the Patriots that game launched Tom Brady and the Patriots into the dynasty that they became. And then, and it kind of hastened the, the Raiders decline. Uh, yeah, they did go to the Super Bowl the next year, but they haven't won a, a playoff game since. So does that mean now that Tom Brady at 45 years old is going to come in and, and swoop in and take over if Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt? Which, again, we know they brought in Garoppolo to be the starter, but he's had a hard time staying on the field over the, the course, of especially the last two or three years. 
um, with injuries. It's just not, it's, it's not really written that way, so to speak. It, it was kind of going that way when he was interested in buying into the Dolphins a couple of years ago, but he was still under contract to Tampa Bay. Now he's retired. Now he's just kind of enjoying life. I, I don't see him having much say in terms of the football side of things. Now, the difference here is that he has a very, very, very good relationship with the GM, Dave Ziegler, and probably an even better relationship with Josh McDaniels. So yeah. could you see him out there in practice kind of spinning some spirals and throwing the ball around and just hanging out? Probably. Now, is he going to you know, impart his wisdom? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't see that happening either. But it does nothing to dispel the myth of Patriots West, right? Which got Mark Davis a little upset when we mentioned it to him at the owners' meetings back in March. So it's it's going to be, you know, it's going to take a lot for for fans, hardcore Raider fans, to see that and be okay. Again, think of the late '80s, early '90s. Franco Harris all of a sudden is now roaming the sidelines with the Raiders, the immaculate reception. It's 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 of that ilk, and yet it's something that with the star power he's going to bring. Um, it's it's going to be able to help the organization. I mean, it's Vegas. It's the entertainment capital of the world. Now, as we know, I believe Brady was set for a broadcasting deal with Fox. How does this affect that? You, excuse me? Not at all. Yeah, not at all. Yeah. It, it won't affect it at all. I mean, now, unless he decides to try to play, you know, uh, he's he's got the contract. And Fox, uh, according to our reporting, with, with again, with Seth Wickersham and, and Adam Schefter, Fox is given its blessing. And as long as he doesn't have above a certain percentage of, of decision-making power at the network or with the team, it's all good. So the key word there was blessing, and that was in a previous report from Wickersham and Schefter. So again, you got all these different irons in the fire, which if nothing else, it just makes people talk about it, right? And mm -hmm. it keeps the team up at the top of the interest level and keeping those social media platforms going. I've got a couple more for you, Paul. Just first, uh, yesterday, this is off the Tom Brady topic, but uh, at the owners' meetings, the NFL approved flex scheduling for Thursday night football. The Raiders have a game against the Chargers, and that's taking place in week 15. So this whole flexing scheduling can happen yeah. between weeks 13 to 17. Mark Davis was a dissenting vote in that and did not want it their players can uh teams can get up to 28 days notice before the game is flexed how do you think this kind of affects things for the team from a positive and negative standpoint i don't know what the positive i guess if you have a month's head start okay but but the you know the nfl schedule release is kind of a national holiday anymore right i mean fans book family vacations around where their team is going to be. Mm -hmm. And and Mark Davis did tell, uh, I believe it was USA Today at the owners meetings when it came out, that he didn't like it. He, he was one of the eight dissenting votes, but he didn't like it from the fan perspective, because what if all these Raider fans and, you know, Vegas being a destination city were choosing to come that Thursday night to watch the Raiders and, and spend the rest of their weekend or whatever they're going to do. And then he said, and all three Charger fans decided that they were going to go too. He took a shot at the Chargers. It, it affects people's plans and vacations and, and everything is set up around that. So I get that from a, a player perspective. I don't know how fair it would be or if it's even likely for a team to get flexed into a Thursday game when you, you've already perhaps done it earlier in the year. Um, teams can now play more than one Thursday night game a year. That was always yeah. one of the things was, look, you can only do it once a year and, and that's good. Well, now how much of a, of a, hit on the body literally and figuratively is it going to take if you're playing on short weeks um multiple times a year 
Yeah, definitely. So, um, and again, Mark Davis, a dissenting vote in that yeah. process, but it did pass. So that is something that can happen coming up. The only uh, game involved with the Raiders is in week 15. And lastly, you mentioned, you know, this town becoming the sports Mecca. You were a part of Vegas. Like you mentioned you and LV back in the day, you know, and you were with the review journal. You've been through all of these different phases of this city. And so when I look at Tom Brady coming in here, the superstar power, Marky Wahlberg, here now doing stuff i think we have to call him mark now not marky mark but not marky mark. mark yeah <laughs> so we have mark Wahlberg here you know there's all these power players now moving into the city kind of really putting their stake in it how deep do you think tom brady will go with this um stake and claims that he's put into the aces to the raiders how much of a figure will you expect him to be in this city now uh, if he's smart and he doesn't want to pay any state income taxes, a lot. He'll make, he'll make it his home address, right? I mean, that that's one of the biggest benefits. I know uh, a lot of Raider employees, when they moved to Las Vegas, they didn't technically get a raise, but they got a raise because they no longer had to pay state income tax. They got a 30% bump in their paycheck. Yeah. Um, and that's anybody that moves there, right? From California, especially. So um, how big of a piece? I mean, he's there all the time anyway. All you got to do is look at his Instagram page. I mean, the UFC. week that, Everything. You see him all the time. Yeah. He's at he's at the UFC. He's at the win. He's doing workouts at the win. He's he's hawking his uh, supplements at the win. That's so, right. you know, yeah. and it goes back and, it, and it's everything that's new is or every what's the saying? Everything that's new is old again or everything that's old is new again. You know, the Rat Pack, those guys were the top of their industry and they made Vegas their home base, so to speak. Yeah. So it's 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 very much um if there's money to be made and there's spoils to be had people will will go where it's to be had and that's las vegas at this point in time it's just it is it's amazing to me that um you know and it was 30 years ago when i was in school at unlv um that it was unlv men's basketball and that was pretty much it yeah there was the triple a team they were the stars back then before they were the 51s and now the aviators but, but that was it you know ufc wasn't around um yeah. and at least not like it is now the Raiders were in L.A. at that point before going back to Oakland. Uh, the Golden Knights were like a figment of somebody's imagination. It's it, it's really amazing to me how it's just kind of come to this point where now even the um, oh, yeah, look at this here. I just happened to have this. Uh, the where, I can't even, it's I going focus. blurry on there me. Oh, rooted in Oakland. The A's. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those guys. Those guys might actually show up. So it's really different. And um, it, it's something I never thought I would see in my wildest dreams, let alone UNLV basketball kind of being, you know, on the back burner, but all these other pro sports coming. It's like when the NCAA tournament was there yeah. in March, never thought you'd see it. And um, here it is. Well, Paul Gutierrez, again, writer for ESPN, the Raiders writer for their uh, NFL coverage in Las Vegas. Uh, Paul, thank you so much for all that you did today, coming in, breaking that story. Really appreciate having you. It's P. Gutierrez, right? On Twitter? It is. And P. I'm Gutierrez ESPN. Did, Sorry. Heidi, P. Gutierrez ESPN. And uh, Heidi, I hope you won that art contest in, uh, in uh, <laughs> Brian Buzz, Buzzard and Woody Woodpecker. It was an art lessons. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for coming on again and i'll definitely see you probably sometime in the very near future as the raiders offseason program gets underway thanks vegas 
Get in on the sports betting action and get on the STN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there.